Welcome back, everyone. It is another episode of the Bunker Boys here on Jack Wagon Sports. Uh, as always, uh, George and Slade here had a great tournament over the weekend at the Honda Classic uh, at the PGA National Course down there in Florida. Um, great uh, finish to the, the tournament on Sunday. Um, can't wait to get into it. Uh, Slade, what was your uh, your input on the tournament before we get into it? Yeah, I think it was a really good tournament. I think that a lot of the talk was about the bear trap, which we had talked about last week, and I think that that proved to be a really important spot for a lot of players this week. Yeah, uh, I just saw a graphic right before I hopped on air. I, it was like 200, almost 300 balls, I want to say, went into the water this weekend. Uh, made me feel a little bit better about myself, but damn. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get right into it here. Uh, so, yeah, I started the tournament off on Thursday. Uh, Kitayama was a big name uh, to see up there at the top on Thursday alone. Uh, obviously, had a great finish to the tournament. But uh, led the way on Thursday, uh, shot a 6-under 64. Uh, very surprising due to he previously missed 16, uh, or missed a cut on 16 of his 25 tour starts. After his round, he said the conditions were perfect and that the course itself is just very challenging. Yeah, it was it was really nice seeing him uh, cart a unbelievable round, especially from his previous twenty five starts, like you had said. Um, we also had Daniel Berger. He uh, missed an eight foot putt on the eighteenth, which would have tied him for the lead, but instead he joined Chris Kirk and Rory Sabatini in carting respectable sixty fives for the day. Berger, whose back has definitely been iffy in the recent weeks, he was five under through eleven and then finished with seven consecutive pars, which is pretty impressive, too. Yeah, it was, it was really cool to see him. You could tell on Thursday he was still, you know, kind of adjusting to the pain and dealing with it. He was wincing every once in a while on his shots. Um, but he still played really well on a very challenging course. He kept that up throughout most of the weekend. Brooks Kepka, a Palm Beach native, carded a 2-under 68 at his home course. Uh, Kepka later said he didn't deserve to be at 4 or 5-under based on his play, but he was very happy with the 2-under. Um, it was nice to see him again. He didn't play super well, um, like he did. I mean, even at the waste management open, he didn't play super well, but you know, he was competitive there here. He wasn't really competitive, but he was looked a lot better than they did last week where he missed the cut. So it was as a Kepka fan, it was good to see. Yeah, definitely. And it's always, it's always great to hear him as a matter of fact, speaking after a round in that, like, he's like, I really didn't play good enough to be where. I think I should be. I played good enough to be at two under, you know. So right. Um, last week's winner, Joaquin Neiman, he carded an even seventy on the first day. He was uh just kind of trying to get through the course. It, as the day went on, it seemed like it was really kind of starting to be a little bit of a difficult difficulty for some golfers. Yeah, the the course overall is difficult on its own. Um, lots of water, lots of thick, rough. Uh, but just to con- the overall course conditions uh, on Thursday and especially Friday were really tough for the guys to handle. Um, speaking of Friday, uh, we had Berger. He looked a lot more comfortable with his back on Friday. Uh, he opened up a three-shot lead with another 65. Uh, just like Kepka, this is his home tournament. He grew up 15 minutes down the road. Uh, he said it was great getting to you know, go home every night and spend time with his mom, you know, sleep in a childhood bed, get a home-cooked meal every day. Uh, so he was very comfortable at this golf course, and he was playing like it. Yeah, he definitely looked comfortable out there after carding another 65 on Friday. Um, next, we had uh, Kitayama. 
who eagled on the 18th to tie for second heading into Saturday 7-under as darkness closed in and ended the round early. Um, it, it definitely seemed like the uh, time was closing in on him as he was playing. So he I don't know if he was maybe trying to play it a little faster at the end or what, but he seemed to do very well with it. Uh, Chris Kirk was the other golfer tied at 7-under with a 68 on Friday. Yeah, it, it's always, especially at this time in the year, you know, it's we're not quite in the spring yet, so the sun still sets really early. Um, so a lot of these tournaments, you know, they get cut off due to darkness. So it's, it's interesting to see the guy's tactic, like, hey, I'm just going to keep my pace. If I had to come back on, you know, Friday morning, Saturday morning, whatever, to do my next round, that's what I got to do. Um, but, yeah, eagling the 18th is a, is a good way to get your round over with a little quicker there. Um, Adam Stevenson. Uh, had, he hit all 18 greens in regulation on Friday and shot a 65 to tie for fourth with Mark Hubbard. Uh, the interesting fact about his round is he actually, I believe he was the last one to finish on Friday. Um, his round ended 22 minutes after the sun had set. Uh, there was just enough light left out there. Uh, so it was kind of cool. To, it almost looked like a, you know, a huge storm was rolling in, uh, but it was really cool to see. Yeah, definitely cool to see. Um, any sort of weather or time changed how the golfers play throughout the day and night. Um, some important misses for the cut was Joaquin Neiman, Tommy Fleetwood, Sungjing Im, Harry Higgs, and Patrick Reed were the very big names that missed the cut after Friday. It, and this has always been Neiman's, you know, I guess you could say calling card is he'll play really well in one tournament and then the next week, you know, he just really struggles. Um, you know, coming off the big win last week, you know, just whipped the field basically all weekend. And then here you missed the cut. Uh, and I, I definitely understand, you know, we cut out a lot of the big names. Uh, it's a difficult course. Uh, it just kind of been his calling card, like I said, that he plays really well one week and then the next week he just can't seem to follow it up. Um, if he could get some sort of consistency into his game, I really think he could eventually challenge for, you know, one of the biggest, best names in, in the PGA Tour. Um, so hopefully he can get that figured out. Uh, we moved to Saturday. Uh, it seemed like Saturday took the biggest bite out of the field. Uh, it hit Robert Streb and Austin Cook the hardest. They shot plus 11 and plus 12 on the day, respectively. Uh, only 13 players all day shot below par. Now we're getting more like what we would have. Party. Yeah, <laughs> that, that basically how I looked on Saturday when I played golf. <laughs> yeah, except, uh, except a lot worse. I'm I'm sure definitely tough days for them, especially after making the cut and then to go out there and play like that on Saturday. It's just rough. Um, Daniel Berger extended his league to five strokes with a one under sixty nine to be eleven under. Um, Shane Lowry carded a sixty seven. Chris Kirk carded a seventy one. Sepp Strecka. Started a 69, and Kurt, yeah, Kitayama scored a, scored a 71, which uh, put those guys tied at six under. Yeah. Uh, Berger. Yeah, it was it was a great uh, finish to the day on Saturday. Um, again, it looked like we were going to have somebody going into Sunday with a big lead. All they had to do was manage it. Um, I, for the one and only time we'll ever do this, I bet on golf, uh, and we're going to talk about it here in a second. Um I was like, Berger's five shots ahead. He just doesn't need to play super conservative, but he just doesn't need to take 
risk. And I watched a little bit on Saturday. He was just making really good shots. Um, and it just looked like the, the tournament was his, just like it did the week before for Joaquin Neiman. I was like, yeah, this is him. Like, he's got this. Uh, and, yeah, it, it didn't happen. So, uh, early Sunday, um, he double bogeyed three, and he had two more bogeys on five and six, which just, you could tell it got into his head. Um, he did end up burning seven. Um, but it just seemed, like I said, mentally, it just looked like he was fried. Um, he couldn't find any sort of rhythm there. He was visibly upset the rest of the round if shots weren't absolutely perfect. You know, he would hit one just to the right of the fairway. Hey, you can recover from that. But he was turned around to his caddy. He was very eccentric, very upset. Um, just overall, I, I think the, the early troubles and with Shane Lowry pouncing on him, which we're going to talk about here in a second, and the rest of the field just catching up to him in a heartbeat. Um, you could tell he just, and mentally he was just not prepared for the day. Uh, it was tough to see. You know, I was really pulling for him, not even just because I bet on him, but it was really good to see him, you know, battle through, you know, what he said, all his back pain and stuff. But, you know, not a huge name on the tour, really. And that's what I like so far about this year is we've had a lot of the, the lower name guys, you know, up here winning tournaments. It was really cool to see. Uh, but it sucked for him. Uh, but it opened up some opportunities for the other guys. Yeah, it definitely did. Real quick, just two things that they had really touched on was uh, before before the round started, they had talked to uh, Jack Nicholas and asked him if he's going into Sunday, what's his thoughts on having a big lead? And he had said that he did not like having a big lead going into Sunday at all. He felt as if he had to play extra safe, had to be known what's going on with the other guys around the course, and that he just would much rather go in closer to the person in second or third, you know. And then they had also gone back and looked at that same question asked to Tiger Woods. And Woods said that he loved it. He felt that it put all the pressure on the rest of the field and not any on him, you know. So mm-hmm. it's just nice to see that there's two different viewpoints from two greats that have definitely been in that position multiple times, like Berger was on Sunday. Um, like you said, Shane Lowry, he kept his composure most of the day, making two early birdies in the first and fourth that would have him in a great position while Berger st- struggled. He uh, would hold most. Yeah, sorry. He he would hold the lead most of the day until misfortune on the 18th hole. Yeah, um, it, it was coming right down to the wire. Uh, Sepp Straka teed off on the 18th uh, with dark crowds rolling in, and I believe he was lining up for a second shot. Is and the skies just opened up. Uh, a birdie on 16 had him tied with Lattery, and a great second shot as the rain began uh, put him on the 18th green. He would land his first putt 48 feet or excuse me, his first putt was from 48 feet away. Uh, He would land that within a foot of the hole and sink his second uh, for the birdie, giving him the lead. Yeah, I think right about that time I had texted you and said that this is going to be a crazy ending when the rain started and um, Lowry and Berger were standing on the tee trying to hold out to see if they could get the rain to slow down before officials came to tell them that they needed to start moving, you know? Right. Um, Lowry... Definitely felt the pressure with the rain. He he had to deal with the tough conditions, and he sent his uh, second shot 50 yards. He's still about 120 yards from the pin at that point. His uh, third shot would land 43 feet away, but luck of the Irish wouldn't be there as he missed the birdie putt and had to settle for par and second place on the tournament. Yeah, uh, you know, heartbreaking for him. Obviously, I would have liked to have seen how this, you know, that hole played out without the the weather. Um, but that's just, that's how it goes. And, you know, you have to be ready for the conditions. 
Uh, and unfortunately, it just raced Sepp Straka at the perfect time, uh, which is great for him. I'm glad he got a win. Uh, I really like Shane Lowry. Um, I believe he hasn't won a tournament since uh, it was a 2019. I think it was just the Open. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to see how he bounces back and you know moves forward. Uh, definitely pulling for him. Uh, the other name we were talking about so far is uh, Kurt Kitayama. Uh, he would rebound from two bogeys on the front nine to go minus two on the day and keep his name in the conversation. Uh, he just couldn't make any big shots there down the stretch um, and get any closer to the leaders. He would finish third at eight under. Um, so a great finish for him. A huge weekend. Uh, like we said earlier, really struggled uh, here lately making, what was it? Can't find it now. Uh, so yeah, sixty or missing sixteen cuts in his uh twenty five starts, um. So it was great to see him perform really well at a really challenging course, um. But yeah, great overall tournament. Uh, it was a lot of fun to watch it come down to the wire on Sunday. Um, I was watching the NASCAR race. I had to flip back and forth. I had a couple boring spots in the race. I'd flip over and watch this. So, uh, great Sunday of action all around. Uh, talk all about the NASCAR stuff on Wednesday, but uh. Nick, or excuse me, Slade, let's <laughs> think about the NASCAR episode. Uh, why don't you update us on the FedEx Cup 10 that just didn't change at all from last week? Yeah, so the FedEx Cup, Cup Top 10, like you said, hasn't changed. So in 10th, we still have Colin Morikawa. In 9th, we have Cameron Smith. 8th, Sam Burns. 7th is Joaquin Neiman. 6th is Luke List. 5th, Sungjae Im. 4th, Taylor Gooch. Third, Scotty Scheffler. Second, Tom Hodge. And first, for uh, at least the last three weeks that we've been covering it, Hideki Matsuyama. Um, I also wanted to mention that something that we've been talking about the last two weeks, uh, Ricky Fowler made his first cut in a while, which was nice. No, he made it last week, too. Oh, did he? Yeah, yes. Two weeks in a row, he made the cut now. Yeah. My bad. But yeah, no, it was good to see him. I, I know he struggled. I think it was Saturday he struggled. Uh, he yeah. did rebound kind of nicely on Sunday, so that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice to see him play throughout the whole weekend. Uh, I just so badly want him to win one major. Uh, that would just be the icing on the cake for me. Um, I really have a feeling, you know, he's made two cuts in a row now. He's going to build some confidence. Um, he's getting into some courses here now that he has done really well on before. Uh, so I'm really thinking that he's going to start to find his groove here and build on the momentum. Uh, and you know, come major time, who knows? Uh, wilder things have happened. Uh, for crying out loud, you had Phil Mickelson win a major last year. So, uh, get into some news here for you guys. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau had to withdraw from the Arnold Palmer Invitational due to hand and hip injuries. He had previously said, I believe it was the beginning of last week, um, that he was going to play in the tournament. Uh, he was going to defend his championship. Uh, the defending Arnold Palmer Invitational champion, he hasn't played 72 holes since January's Century Tournament. Uh, he last played at the Farmers Open, where he missed the cut uh, in the whole, I believe it was yeah, both rounds. You could tell he was in just visible pain, uh, was not comfortable at all. He said he's working really hard on his game. Uh, he's rehabbing heavily. Uh, just He's not ready to come back yet. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see when he does come back. Um, and I mean, I, I think he's definitely going to. Uh, I just, hopefully it's sooner than later. Um, not the biggest fan of him, but he always does add an exciting element to the game. Um, obviously, he won a yeah. thrilling tournament last year at this Invitational, so hopefully he gets well soon. Yeah, like you said, hopefully he gets well soon. I know on 
Thursday and I think even Wednesday they were really talking about thinking that he was going to make his debut this weekend, but unfortunately just still dealing with those injuries and hopefully he's back soon. Um, Miguel, Angel, Jimenez, uh, he had two aces this past weekend at the PGA Champions Tour, Collegard Classic. He would go on to win by four shots at minus 18. I mean, it's a really good weekend for him. Yeah. Uh, I remember watching the second one on Sunday um, just because I forgot that the coverage had flipped over to NBC and I just automatically went to the golf channel and was like, oh, watched a couple holes and yeah, the second ace was wild. Um, incredible to get two in one weekend. Uh, so, you know, huge for him. That's awesome. Uh, so next up this week, we have the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill in Orlando, Florida. Uh, as you said, your defending champion is Bryson DeChambeau. Uh, he won by one stroke over Lee Westwood. Uh, a great course uh, designed by Arnold Palmer himself. Uh, the redesign was done by him um, in 2009, and that's when it became known as the Arnold Palmer Invitational at Bay Hill. It used to be the Bay Hill Invitational. Uh, always a great tournament to watch. Uh, love when the guys are down in Florida because like, this happened this past week. You had weather come into play, uh, but for the most part, it's always beautiful down there when they're playing golf. Um, so it should be a lot of fun to watch. So going to the course breakdown, as always for you guys, hole one is a par four sitting at 459 yards. The first hole grabs the player's attention from the start as Bay Hill flexes, flexes its muscles, beginning, beginning with the 461 par four. During the 2009 renovation, bunkers, 180 yards off the tee to the right were eliminated and converted to rough. Bunkers outside the dogleg were enlarged to provide visibility from the tee. Greenside bunkers were moved closer, deepened, and flashed higher to frame the green. The interior of the old green surface was replicated, and the edges softened to provide a better hole location closer to the bunkers. Yeah, um, hole number two is our first par three at 227 yards. The second hole is a long par three, the second longest on uh, par three on the course, but placed slightly downhill, one of the few major challenges during the 2009 renovation. This hole, or this green, was rotated about 30 degrees clockwise to enable the players to hold long irons and woods into the green. With the green now rotated and the back tee expanded, the hole can play as long as 245 yards. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we took Nick out for his first time on Saturday. And only part three I did this on, but I stuck it on the green on the one. Uh, and I was the most excited I've ever been. It was still about like 45 feet from the hole, but I didn't care. Uh, I, ju I just couldn't believe I got it onto the green on one. Uh, hole three is a par four sitting at 439 yards. The third hole makes a dogleg left around the largest lake on the course, requiring a careful tee shot. Players must know where to place their drives in order to set up the approach to the green that sits on the water's edge over a natural rock wall. Players who misread the win at number two and didn't take note will be playing into a crosswind that will force the ball left and into the lake. Sounds like a definitely hard hole. <laughs> uh, the, the fourth hole is a par five at 559 yards. It uh, has pesky hazards from tee to green. During the renovation in 2009, the hole was converted into a true par 5 without lengthening the hole. This was achieved by moving out the fairway bunkering into the 270-300 yard range. 
A new layup bunker was added to the left of the fairway, 100 yards from the green to guard the layup area. Bunkers adjacent the... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> bunkers adjacent the green were reconfigured and the green size was reduced with an elevated green surface with tightly mowed surroundings and deep bunkers. Hole 5 takes us to a par 4 sitting at 377 yards. This is the shortest par 4 in the front 9, but the but the premium is on an accurate shot, uh, short iron, excuse me, approach to the convex green. The tee shot is most tricky in order to avoid the bunkers scattered on each side of the narrow landing area. Players who hit a safe tee shot and follow with a tight iron shot are looking at three. Yeah, hole number six is another par five at 565 yards. Uh, it curls around the lake. Players first saw at number three. This hole produces some eagles, a few birdies, and some scores that resemble telephone numbers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be my score if I played this hole. Um, hole seven takes us to a par three. Sitting at 194 yards, uh, the short, <laughs> the shortest par three on the course, uh, providing some relief. Most players will take a mid iron into the slightly uphill par three, but the large green offers a variety of pin positions beyond the bunkers that front the green. Hole number eight is another par four at 458 yards. This dogleg right hole was a bunker on the left side. A grove of trees forces a tee shot aimed to the left into a landing area shaped like a saddle. The approach is over a small lake to a right-to-left sloping green that requires a longer carry the farther you left you aim. The farther left you aim, sorry. Uh, the last hole in the front nine is a par four sitting at 493 yards. The longest of the par fours at Bay Hill, the subtle dogleg left requires a long iron or fairway metal to a large, well-guarded green framed by rear mounds. Players take par here, get to the back nine, and don't look back. Hole 10 is another par 4 at 401 yards. Long hitters will take their tee shot over a series of bunkers into the elbow of the dogleg right to set up a short iron to a two-tiered green. Hole 11 is a par 4 sitting at 423 yards. This is similar to the design of the third hole. The only difference on this par 4 is that it's slightly more open target area off the tee. The diagonally situated green brings the lake into play on the left pin placements and the bunkers into play on the right hole locations. Hole number 12 is a par 5 at 571 yards. Players can step on the gas on this par 5 in the 2009 renovation old shaping and mounds that blocked views into the bunkers and green complex were yeah complex were removed the layup shot sets up an approach with a wedge the green is heavily protected by bunkers to thwart off any thought of running the second shot up hole 13 uh, is a par 4 sitting at 377 yards this hole offers a brief respite respite oh my god <laughs> for short hitters but before the 2009 renovation, there were three hidden fairway bunkers on the left side of the hole. During the renovation, this bunker complex was reshaped to include two highly visible bunkers that were shifted and repositioned closer to the fairway to become more in play off the tee. The demand is placed on the short iron approach to the wide, shallow green, a lake that will surely catch any misfires fronts the putting surface. That's where you'd find me. 
Absolutely. Hole 14, par 3. It's 201 yards. This is slightly uphill par 3 of average length. Before Palmer's 2009 renovation, 90% of the bunkers on this hole were not visible from the tee, and neither was the green surface. The old green had sharp hills or sharp rolls along the edge that did not allow for parameter pin locations or pins behind the bunkers. The front right bunker complex was eliminated, and a tightly mowed grass slope along the entire right side of the green was created. The left green side bunkers were reshaped and moved closer to the green to better protect pin locations on the left side. The green side bunkers behind the green were reshaped and made more visible and shifted closer to the green surface to protect back right and back left pin locations. Hole 15 is a par 4 sitting at 488 yards. This dogleg right hole features magnolia trees on both sides of the landing area. These heavily leaved trees help narrow the preferred driving area. The approach is to a large green that rolls softly, making long putts treacherous. Hole 16 is a par 5 at 500 yards even. It's the beginning of a three-hole stretch to the clubhouse that is among the best in golf. Hole 17 is a par 3 at 219 yards. This is a good opportunity to gain ground or lose control. The elevated tee is 221 yards from a green that's surrounded by water on three sides, while bunker protect the left during Palmer's 2009 renovation. The most dramatic change on this hole was the expansion of the beach bunker. The green was shifted to seven was shifted seven to ten feet to allow for the beach bunker to be reshaped and contoured for drainage, playability, and visibility. A rather small green at Bay Hill standards is firm and fast, making birdie a premium. Finally, hole 18 is a par 4 at 461 yards. The finishing hole looks simple on paper. The par 4 is straight away to a wide fairway, but that's where the simplicity ends. The large kidney-shaped green is fronted by rocks and water, requiring a long carry to the right half. The bunkers left off the green await are errant shots of those playing away from the water. I believe that is a hole last year. We got the infamous Bryson DeChambeau meme where he just smacked it over the water and then just started pointing at it to go. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, nonetheless, a beautiful course. Um, it's been a lot of fun for the players ever since they redesigned it. Um, really excited to watch that this weekend. As always, uh, our buddy Sam has given us the term of the week and a player profile to bring to you guys. Uh, so the term of the week is a slice, which I am very familiar with. The slice is a golf shot that bends far to the right when hit by right-handed golfers and far to the left when hit by left-handed golfers. It is one of the most common problems faced by beginners. In many cases, a little more attention to your grip and the path of your club during a swing can correct the problem. I've definitely hit my fair share of them. Our player profile is Bubba Watson this week. He's a 43-year-old that turned pro in 2002 from the University of Georgia. He currently has 12 PGA Tour victories, none since 2017. He has two Masters Championships in 2012 and 14. He's married to Angie Watson, and they have two adopted children, Caleb, his son, and Dakota, his daughter. His father was a former Green Beret who died in October of 2010 from lung cancer. He's part owner of the Pensacola Blue Wahoop, which is a Reds AA team. He's also... Uh, 
owner of a candy shop in Pensacola called Bubba's Sweet Shop and is co-owner of Sandy and Bubba's Milton Chevrolet. Yeah, he's a very busy guy. Um, always respected him and loved watching him uh, you know, as I got into golf. Um, fun fact, I went to the Wells Fargo uh, Championship last year here in Charlotte, and he teed off on the 10th, and uh, he was walking right in front of me, and I shotgunned a beer for him in his honor. I announced it, and he didn't look at me, but I I know he saw it. Um, so <laughs> he still I, thinks about that. To yeah, this day. I d- I had to make him proud, you know. <laughs> but that will do it for uh, this week's episode of Bunker Boys. We are really excited, uh, you know, to keep bringing this stuff to you guys. Uh, really excited to come back next week and break down the Arnold Palmer Invitational. And after that, we have the Players Championship, which is probably one of the the coolest non-major tournaments out there. Uh, the 17th hole is one of the most iconic in golf. Uh, with the tee shot completely over water to an island green. Um, really the hole that makes or breaks the whole tournament. Uh, so we're really excited to break that down next week for you guys and get you ready for that. Um, but we have the beautiful Arnold Palmer Invitational this week. That's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, as always, don't forget to check out their merch stores. Uh, check out the other podcasts. Slate, do you got anything? No, I'm just really excited for this weekend. I think it's going to be a good one. Yeah, uh, a lot of different names in the field this week. Um, you know, A couple of the big names are sitting this one out, uh, resting up before the players next week. Um, so I'm fully expecting a, a first-time winner. Um, it's going to be really cool to see a lot of different guys You know, get their name up there on the leaderboard. Um, so really excited for that. But, yeah, we will be back next Monday talk all about it and get you ready for the players championship other than that you guys enjoy the rest of your week uh go out and play some golf if you do uh take some pictures take some videos tag us uh other than that we will see you guys next week